Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description. Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we will be looking at the 1940 Walt Disney Studios film, Pinocchio. This is the second episode in a new series from us, focusing on the animated movies owned by Disney. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of each scene, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and the songs from the film. We will also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and enjoy the episode. Pinocchio is an animated musical comedy fantasy adventure film, the second film in the Disney animated canon. It was produced by Walt Disney Productions and originally released to theaters by RKO Radio Pictures on February 23rd, 1940. Based on the book The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Coldini, the film stars a puppet brought to life by a fairy who tries to earn his right to become a real boy as he faces the challenges and dangers of a dark, hostile world full of crooks, villains, and monsters. The film's credited story writers are Ted Sears, Otto Englander, Webb Smith, William Cottrell, Joseph Sabo, Erdman Penner, Aurelius Badagalia, and I hope I'm saying that correctly, The sequence directors are Bill Roberts, Norman Ferguson, Jack Kinney, Wilfred Jackson, and T. He, which I thought was a fake name until I looked it up, and I believe the T is short for Thornton. So, yeah, he just went went by the letter T, and then his last name was H-E-E, so T. He. How interesting. So fun. Yeah, like I said, I thought it was a fake name until I looked it up. I thought it was like just a joke they put in there because sometimes more often today they put joke names and credits in movies. But and the supervising directors for the film were Ben Sharpstein and Hamilton Lusk or Lewisk. I'm not entirely certain and I hope I'm saying it correctly. The film stars and I put that in quotation marks because they aren't given credit. However, Uh, Following Snow White and my research for this movie, Disney wanted to have, Walt Disney that is, wanted to have more recognizable voices for their characters. So the film stars Cliff Edwards as Jiminy Cricket, Dickie Jones as Pinocchio, Christian Rubb as Geppetto, Walter Catlett as J. Worthington Fowlfellow, or Honest John as he's called in the film, Charles Judels as Stromboli and the Coachman, Evelyn Vernabal as the Blue Fairy, and uh, Frankie Darrow as Lampwick. Also, Mel Blanc, who at the time voiced most of the Warner Brothers cartoons, was cast as Gideon, or Giddy as he's referred to in the film. But with the exception of his hiccups, all of his lines were removed and the character was made a mute. That's interesting. I'd like to see Gideon talking to see what would happen there. Yeah, I think there was something with Blanc's contract 
so he actually couldn't be in the film, but I'm not entirely certain. And of course, the film was produced by Walt Disney. It premiered in New York City on February 7th, 1940 at the Center Theater, and then again two days later in Los Angeles at the Pantiers Theater. Pinocchio would later be released to the public on February 23rd. The budget for the film was 2.6 million and it earned 164 million or in 2021 dollars, 3.2 billion during its initial release. Due to its popularity, the film would receive theatrical re-releases in 1945, 1954, 1962, 1971, 1978, 1984, and 1992. And I have vague memories from my childhood of it being re-released in 1992. Like, I think there were Burger King cups that you could get and everything. I don't remember. I was slightly too young for that. Yeah. And then with all that out of the way, let's dive into the film. So I have here the opening credits are paired with Jimmy Cricket and a chorus singing When You Wish Upon a Star. Which is really the most classic song of this entire film. You see it, you see it at the Disney parks. It's in so many things. It's this is probably the only song that stands out compared. Like, the, of course, there's other songs that if you've seen this film a bunch of times, you probably remember. But I don't think anything else is like in the public domain the same way. Well, it's also one of the few we were talking off camera about Disney songs. It's also one of the very few classic Disney movies that the song is still pretty much as popular today as if it, uh, as when it came out, in my opinion. Like, you, you'll hear pop music singers or whoever do a cover of it every so often. Well, like I said, the, you know, they bring it into the parks all the time. Like, it's still quite relevant to things when they can make it relevant anyway. After the credits, there is a spotlight on Jiminy, who is seated upon a Pinocchio book. He concludes the song addresses the audience, and opens the book to tell us the story of Pinocchio. So not exactly the same book opening that we saw in Snow White, but, you know, a little play on that. No, and, uh, you know, I've watched a few other movies that you haven't, and we definitely get a little bit of a different play on the book opening than I remember getting all the time. Like, it's definitely not just book open, here we go. Like, there are other things that happen in other stories. Well, also, I will say this, the lines in this are so much cleaner, though, for only being this is only like a year after Snow White, right? Yes. The lines are cleaner. The colors are much bolder. Everything about the animation is getting better. And it's not even like it's not like, oh, this is a decade later. This is like a year later. Right. These were probably being drawn at the same time. Yeah. Uh, or not far off. In a sleepy Italian village. The only light in the town comes from Geppetto's workshop. A homeless Jiminy Cricket makes his way into the shop and warms himself by the fire. Jiminy notices the wooden puppet and hides when Geppetto and Figaro, Geppetto's cat, descend the stairs to return to work on the puppet. Geppetto paints a smile on the puppet and names him Pinocchio. Geppetto winds up a nearby music box and sings the song Little Wooden Head while dancing with the wooden puppet. So I have a couple notes here. (laughs) Jiminy imitating one of the wooden music box figures actually made me laugh. He was trying to hide from Geppetto and just started imitating one of them. And also being a cat owner, Figaro being jealous 
of, I have in my note here, Geppetto, but I believe it's supposed to be Pinocchio made me laugh. Cleo is also jealous of Pinocchio. Like they are both, like they don't like the name Pinocchio, neither one of them. And they're both kind of jealous, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I think in, um, if in my research, I found out that Pinocchio literally translates to little wooden head, the name Pinocchio. So it's interesting that they took that and made that the song here. Makes sense. Yeah. All these notes are my own notes. I didn't take any wiki summaries. And I also watched the film late at night. So you'll have to forgive me if if some of them don't make sense. All the clocks in Geppetto's workshop strike nine and Geppetto heads off to bed. And I put here that he calls his pet fish, whose name is Cleo, his little mermaid. And I just thought that was cute. Also, my favorite thing is him petting Cleo. Like, good night, Cleo. I'm like, pets their fish and then he makes Figaro say good night to her too like say good night to Cleo Figaro yeah Figaro also I will yeah. say the animation with Cleo like looking out outside of her bowl it's great animation like mm. the way they handled that like it does in fact look like a fish looking outside of its bowl like how I would imagine that looks like you mean like how um when she first sees it's very Pinocchio yeah yeah, it's yeah wide fish like it's animated very beautifully yeah agreed My next note here is that Geppetto and Figaro have matching beds, which I found adorable. And that Geppetto- Also, he gets into the bed like Geppetto does. It's so cute. Yeah. And uh, Geppetto has trained Figaro to open his window. Like he said, like, oh, Figaro, I forgot to open the window. And Figaro's like, "Ah." he gets out of bed, climbs over Geppetto's bed. (laughs) Mostly, I just felt bad for Figaro. Figaro's like, really? You're the human. Go do it yourself. Yeah. You're like two feet away, man. You can reach it. And then I wrote down, before Geppetto falls asleep, he wishes upon a star that Pinocchio would be a real boy. And in my notes, I put that he says, starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. You know, I wish I may, I wish I might have this wish I wish tonight. I was wondering if that little poem was popular before the film, or do you think, I I imagine the film probably popularized uh, that poem. Maybe, but I, I mean, I imagine it was already in part of the public ethos mm-hmm. for it to be something they decided to bring into here. Probably. So I have here that Jiminy struggles to fall asleep among all the ticking clocks and Geppetto snoring and witnesses a blinding blue light descend from the stars and into Geppetto's workshop. The light turns into a beautiful fairy, the blue fairy, and she gives the wooden puppet life. She tells him to prove himself brave, truthful, and unselfish in order to become a real boy. And in my note, I wrote that the blue fairy is animated slightly different from the other characters. She has no real inclines except for on her face when it's... Oh, she looks a lot like Snow White. Like I was actually, that's the note I have is that it almost looks like they took an animated Snow White, put some blonde hair on it, put her in a different outfit. And it's very reminiscent of that like the less lines and much mm-hmm. more softer style than what the rest of this movie is very bold lines and colorful comparatively. It, it also kind of reminded me of the animation from the 1960s to the 80s, what they would do for like fantasy films that were animated. Specifically, it made me think of the Lord of the Rings animated film. Have, yeah. you, ever, have you ever seen that or? No, I haven't, but it, I think I've seen like little bits of it. So I know what you're talking about a bit. Well, it, it's interesting that it made me think of it too, because the way that, that film was done, I forget what this technique is called, but they shot actors depicting it 
And then they literally just drew cartoon characters frame by frame over the actors. So my hmm. other thought here though, is that, you know, we, you know, the next movie after this is Fantasia, which we'll get to, but that is also a very softly drawn film, mm-hmm. like very soft lines, mm-hmm. not so many bold colors. I have some notes on Fantasia that I think are going to crack you up, but we'll have to see when we get there. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jiminy tells Pinocchio that a conscience is that still small voice that people won't listen to. And the blue fairy asks Jiminy if he would like to be Pinocchio's conscience. He agrees and she knights him, turning his rags into fine clothing. Before departing, she reminds Pinocchio to always be a good boy and let his conscience be his guide. Jiminy tells Pinocchio that the world is full of temptation and he must always do the right thing. And if Pinocchio ever needs him to whistle, this leads into the song, Give a Little Whistle. And I forgot to say, I don't know if you have them this way, but this song, I started to rank how how they were. And I gave this song a five out of 10. It's fine, but it's nothing special. I believe I forgot to rank Geppetto's song before, but. Uh, oh, well. It's fine. I don't have the rank like that, but I probably would rank it lower than that, to be honest. Like it hmm. just, it's not anything special. Like, yeah. After watching the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. Like, this movie was very, very like, like, oh, yeah, I remember that happening. But yeah, it's nothing, nothing that you're, that's going to stick with you. The song and dance causes Pinocchio to crash into objects in the workshop and wake Geppetto. Geppetto gets out of bed and discovers the wooden puppet has come to life. He is overjoyed to see that his wish has come true and the two dance in celebration. So this cracked me up when Geppetto asked who's there and Pinocchio responds, it's me. And Geppetto goes, oh, it's me and rolls over to go back to sleep. Like I actually laughed out loud. That's this entire, like some things that happen in this movie are so funny. It's so good. Like, well, that part is specifically echoed again in the end of the film and we'll, we'll address it when we get there. But I also liked that Geppetto kept a gun under his pillow. I was like, oh, this really is Italy. I think all of them are so cute. Like this entire scene. Yeah, it might be Italy with the Glock, but like they're all wearing little sleeping cats, including like Cleo mm-hmm. and Figaro. They're all going to bed all cute and like cuddly. Everybody's at, at, happy. At 9 p.m., like a very early time to go to Did bed. Did Cricket in his little matchbox bed? Yes. Like, yeah, that was very cute as well. So I have here that Pinocchio accidentally sets his finger on fire. Geppetto puts it out and they go off to bed. Well, I do have, I don't know if you actually watched any of the deleted scenes Mm-mm. that were involved. So I did because I am the next work. So there's a deleted scene where there's the story of the grandfather tree that Geppetto basically would tell him at this point and be like, yeah trees burn and like this is your your grandfather it's a tree (laughs) like and you got to be careful otherwise you'll burn like there's a whole plot little plot line about like how trees can be set on fire and it's like oh well I'm kind of glad that wasn't in here because it doesn't really have anything to do with anything but yeah I mean fire comes back at the end of the film but like we get the message of it right here we didn't need the expandedness of that scene but it is interesting to see what they came up with, but then decided not to use. So I have here sometime later, I assume the next day, but we don't know for certain. We see the village children off on their way to school. Geppetto sends Pinocchio off with an apple for his teacher, 
and Figaro provides Pinocchio with a school book. On the way to school, Pinocchio encounters a fox known as Honest John and a cat known as Giddy, who are fascinated by a live wooden boy. They hatch a plan to sell Pinocchio to Stromboli, who runs a marionette show. And in my notes, I put, we know the fox is evil because he smokes. Okay. Why did Geppetto have the school stuff to be able to send Pinocchio to school? This man doesn't have children. Does he usually send Figaro to school? Like, I don't understand. Also, what is this man doing sending a boy who was born yesterday to school and not explaining anything about why he's going there, what he's doing? Just follow the other kids. They'll get you there. Like, uh... Is no one going to question where this wooden boy came from? Well, you know, I, I had the same thoughts myself and because it's been some time since I've watched Pinocchio before this. But when I saw that there was a, what is it? Anthropomorphic fox and cat walking around in this yeah. town. I was like, oh, okay. So the rules are out the window. Like any, it, like it, a wooden boy, sure. Why not? <laughs> I guess that makes sense, but I don't get why everybody else. And like, this is going a little bit far further in, but like even the blue fairy later is like, but why didn't you go to school? Like, yeah. why does everybody assume he understood that school was important? Like everybody just kind of acts like you were supposed to know that school was the most important thing, even though you were born yesterday. <laughs> like, yeah, nobody well, explained anything to him. No. Well, <laughs> Uh, It's interesting, too, in a little bit of research I did for the film, evidently in the original story, like the original book that it's based off of, Pinocchio is mischievous uh, purposely and learns to be good along the way, whereas Disney wanted him depicted as, like, empty, like, just, like, he didn't know any better. And That makes more sense to me, because when I watch this, I'm like, but he's literally a naive, like, puppet. He literally is... And just vibes, no thoughts. That's, yeah. He literally is just vibes, no thoughts. No, he is. You're absolutely so right. I don't understand why there's not a single, until Jiminy shows up like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to go to school, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, even at that, like he tells him, oh, you have to go to school. Well, I'll just get, I'll just get to it right here. So yeah. Honest John trips Pinocchio and uses this chance to tell Pinocchio that he doesn't have to go to school. He can instead have the easy road to success and join the theater. As Honest John marches Pinocchio off to the theater, he sings Hi Diddly D, an actor's life for me. And I wrote in my notes, uh, again, simple and uh, short, four out of 10, not really anything special. I really like the song, but yeah. that's me. Um, you cut out there for a second. What? You, so you said you really like the song. Oh yeah, I really like the song. It's a very like... I like a lot of the songs in this movie, actually. They're very upbeat and kind of fun, so. Oh, no, you're right. But it's not, for me personally, it's nothing that really sticks with you. I I think it might be one of the best songs from this film, but in the overall Disney pantheon, it doesn't stand out in my mind. Yeah. My other note is what the hell happened to Pinocchio's animation as they march? The color in his eyes and clothes disappeared. I don't know if you oh, noticed. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I, it's interesting because I'm I'm watching these on Disney Plus. I assume you are as well. Yes. All the films have interesting things that I want to discuss, but there had to have been some sort of color correction done to Pinocchio along the way. It's not like any no one besides me has ever noticed this, but for whatever whatever version they stuck on there, that that's what's on Disney Plus. Maybe it's the original. I'm not sure. But moving along. 
Jiminy Cricket, half-dressed, runs down the street to catch up to Pinocchio, who he believes to be off at school. Jiminy is commenting on what a fine conscience he turned out to be. He comes upon Honest John and Giddy leading Pinocchio the opposite way. Jiminy stops them and tells Pinocchio he must go to school. Pinocchio agrees, but then goes off with Honest John and Giddy anyway. And that's what like, I wanted to get to was like, Pinocchio is so empty that he was like, oh yeah, sure, Jiminy, I'll, I'll go to school. But then, you know, Honest John is like, oh, hey, weren't you coming with me? And he's like, oh yeah, I'll go with you. It's whatever's in the moment. Also, I love how we're going with the very, you know, old depiction of actors are scoundrels. How dare you want to go be an actor? There's, there's so many lines about actors in this movie that are hardly, I think I have a few of them written in my notes. I just want to go through it. Later, we see the great Stromboli show. He introduces Pinocchio as the only marionette that can dance and sing without the use of strings. And this, of course, leads into the song, I've Got No Strings On Me. And I put six out of 10, second most iconic song from this film. But it's just all right, in my opinion. And to be fair to Stromboli, he does put on a very good puppet show. I would agree with the rating of the song. Like, I know it's much more well-known compared to like Hi Diddle Dee, but I mm-hmm. like that song more comparatively to I've Got No Strings. Like, mm-hmm. not that either one is like big or fantastic, but I think Hi Diddle Dee is so much more fun. It It's funny. I think actually the best use of I've Got No Strings when it, when it comes to my personal opinion was in um, Avengers Age of Ultron. When Ultron confronts the Avengers, he sings a very slow and creepy version of I've Got No Strings On Me because he's like, he's like nope, I'm not a puppet anymore. Like I'm, I'm this AI program that you can't stop. But yeah, I, it was in most of the promotional trailers for the movie and everything. Yeah. I can't remember if it actually made the final cut of the film, but that's oddly enough when I think of I've got no strings that's the first thing that comes to my mind Jiminy impressed by the performance abandons Pinocchio saying quote I guess he don't need me anymore what does an actor want with a conscience anyway so that was the first line about actors that stuck out to me and made me laugh like I said it's very much actors are scoundrels they're terrible people like (laughs) oof. okay we're we're just going in. This could maybe be why Disney didn't want to give credit to uh, the actors in his movies. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, we're about to roast actors, so yeah. we can't give you credit. No. So back at his workshop, Geppetto has prepared a fantastic dinner for Pinocchio and the rest of the family, but is worried that Pinocchio has yet to return home. He goes out into the pouring rain to search for him. I have here, in, uh, Do you, anything you want to say about that or... No, it was really like a fine feast he made for Pinocchio. Yeah, and Figaro wanted that fish so badly, but couldn't have it. Or was it a piece of chicken? I can't, whatever it was, Figaro wanted it. He also Uh, like gave cake to Cleo and stuff too. Like it was very odd. Yeah, Yeah, they're all the family. Inside Stromboli's wagon, he and Pinocchio are discussing his future as an actor. Stromboli pays him in fake money, and prevents Pinocchio from leaving by locking him in a birdcage. As the wagon rolls away, Pinocchio calls for Jiminy and whistles for him, but to no avail. Coincidentally, Jiminy decides to wish Pinocchio luck 
as he sees the wagon leaving town. He finds Pinocchio locked in the cage and realizes the puppet needs his help. Unable to break the lock on his cage, Jiminy decides to stay with Pinocchio to help him when he can. And I also have that Geppetto is nearly run over by Stromboli's wagon, but a crash of thunder prevents Pinocchio from hearing his father call out to him. While Pinocchio and Jiminy are crying in the wagon, the blue fairy comes to him again. She asks why he didn't go to school. He lies about it and his nose begins to grow. After several more lies, Pinocchio's nose grows to a ridiculous size. The blue fairy explains that a lie grows and grows until it is as plain as the nose on your face. She reverses the magic on Pinocchio's nose and frees him. However, she warns him that this is the last time she can help him. Again, this is just going back to, you know, she gives him kind of a hard time a bit for, oh, you didn't go to school. Nobody told little puppet boy that, why didn't Geppetto take him to school the first day? Yeah. Why didn't Geppetto stay home and spend the first day with him explaining how the world works? (laughs) Yeah, no, agreed. Because even if like you want to say Geppetto, obviously Geppetto does pretty well for himself being a woodshop worker and everything because of the fantastic meal and all the accessories in his home and everything. But I, I think he could take about 15 minutes out of his day to make sure his son gets to school. But yeah, it is what it Especially is. Especially when he's never been there. He's never met other children. It Although, astounds me. Like that's plot poll number one that will bother me. Yeah, no, agreed. A thought occurred to me, you know, 1940. I don't think many parents walked their children to school back then. It was kind of like, hey, I don't even think they had the bus. You know, from what I've heard, they had to walk yeah. uphill both ways in five <laughs> oh, yeah. feet of snow. Fair enough. Yeah. But I just, I think being a good parent, you would, you know? I agree. So at the Red Lobster Inn, Honest John and Giddy are drinking and telling their compatriots about how they conned Pinocchio. They are propositioned by a coachman to collect, quote, stupid little boys for him. And I wrote in my notes, a repugnant man asking for little boys to bring to Pleasure Island. And this is definitely a lot creepier to me as an adult than it was as a child. Yeah, just a bit. Also, it's not a coachman, it's the coachman. Oh, excuse me, the coachman. There's undertones to this that I, I, was, I did not realize as a child that I was like, oh, that's super it's creepy. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And it, like, I question how parents were okay with it's like watching when we get to other movies. It's watching some of these movies. I'm like, I don't get why parents were okay with just being like, yeah, let's have our children watch this. Sounds yeah, great. yeah, we're going to address those issues uh, as they arise. But I do think a funny thing from the scene that I like is uh, Gideon like having this donut made of smoke and dumping it, like dunking it in yeah. the beer. And <laughs> yeah, you're right. That, that All was... your vices in one shot. Yeah. So I have here that Jiminy and Pinocchio are racing home while Pinocchio promises to be good and to go to school. He says that he would rather be smart than be an actor. So another dig at actors. When Jiminy pulls ahead of him, Pinocchio is yet again discovered by Honest John and Giddy. The duo pretend to be medical experts and tell him that he is allergic, though not to what, and he needs to go to Pleasure Island. And this leads into the song Coach to Pleasure Island, a reuse of High Diddly D, but with different lyrics. Jiminy is able to catch up to the wagon to Pleasure Island, but unable to stop Pinocchio. He tells the audience, well, here we go again. 
I do like that Jiminy does address the audience mm-hmm. on occasion. Like he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, it's nice to have a narrator like that occasionally occasionally in uh, films like this. It makes me think of Charles Dickens when Gonzo yeah. plays Charles Dickens in the Muppet Christmas Carol. And like he addresses the audience, especially given the outfit, the top hat and everything. Very similar vibes. Pinocchio meets a young boy named Lampwick who is excited about there being no school or police on Pleasure Island. And I wrote in my notes, some parts of the animation in the sequence were terrible. And I can't believe it made it into the final film. When it showed the wagon traveling, like all the boys just looked like blobs on top of it. Like they were all monochromatic colors and everything. Like it just didn't. I mean, I think the thing is too, is we had this conversation Snow White that I was surprised that they decided to animate so many animals mm-hmm. but like i imagine i imagine animating so many human faces and like mm-hmm. making them do things at once is probably a pain you're probably right like i don't like i you're saying it's terrible i think that's probably just older animation style is well it's they also probably... sometimes trying not to animate as much as they like have to mm-hmm. and they also didn't have like continuity directors uh, at this time like we have nowadays where it's someone's specific job to look and say nope that doesn't match you gotta you gotta fix that so the group of boys arrive at pleasure island and it is a carnival island i have in my notes here i found it interesting this film we, I, i've watched a few other disney films on disney plus and they come with a, a warning about racist depictions and everything and how it's unacceptable this film didn't have that yet it showed Native Americans as animatronics giving the young boys tobacco and uh, cigarettes and cigars. And I, I, I wrote that, that that's not cool, but unfortunately common throughout Disney and other studios films for far too long. You know, I didn't even think about the fact that it didn't have the warning the way the other films that did. Yeah. You're right, though. It did not have the content warning. No. I think, well, I, w- I won't get into it, but I, I was just uh, shocked that it didn't have the warning given. I had forgotten the depiction of Native Americans here. I guess whoever's- Especially because in- like they focus in on that scene for a little bit too. Like, yeah, they very much, when they get to Pleasure Island, they want you to know like, you can smoke here. You can yeah. drink beer. You want to go get into fights? Get into fights. You want to destroy some houses? Go well- ahead. That's something, too, is that Dumbo, before I I started watching that, came with a tobacco use warning. But this film didn't. And I was like, the main protagonist is smoking in this film and it doesn't have a tobacco use warning. like And drinking, like things kids can't do, nor should we be promoting kids doing. No. So moving right along back into the film, the coachman is seen whipping some dark figures to shut and lock the doors. Then they must go below and get the crates ready. And his line is, give a bad boy enough rope and he'll make a jackass of himself. Yeah, I had that line noted too. Yeah. Now we know why they uh, turn into donkeys later. Yeah. I wonder if they would have gotten away with saying the word jackass in the movie if they didn't turn into donkeys. Probably not. Probably not. Who knows? So amid the destroyed carnival... Jiminy searches for Pinocchio, who is in a pool hall, smoking and watching Lampwick play pool. And I made a note here of my own personal experience with smoking cigars. I've also gotten sick. Like, I remember 
I was at a bachelor party and, you know, we had cigars. So I was smoking one of them and I didn't realize that you're supposed to smoke a cigar over the course of several days, like a real cigar, like you're supposed to smoke it over several days. And I was smoking it like it was, you know, nothing. And it actually caused me to get violently sick. And I was like, nope, this is 100% accurate. I'm not advocating for the use of tobacco products, but I, I've, I'm just saying I, I had some personal experience with something very well, we similar. We got to talk about our personal experiences here, yeah. you know. Yeah. So Jiminy arrives and questions Pinocchio about his actions. Lampwick is unimpressed with Jiminy, and Pinocchio causes him to quit yet again. As Jiminy leaves, Lampwick pours two mugs of beer for himself and Pinocchio. Jiminy tells Pinocchio to quote make a jackass of himself. Can I, like, Jiminy for pretty much being like, yeah, I'll totally be his conscious. Like, he gives up and does not care very easily. Like, he is bad at this. Yeah, he is. Jiminy's an interesting character. He's very different actually watching this movie than I remembered him in my mind. Like, I remember him being more moral. But in this film, it's like, oh, no, he's kind of a dirtball. Yeah, he's kind of very immoral to be honest like yeah Yeah. it's almost like we're learning that even if your conscience is like trying to tell you something and trying to be good like at the end you still probably won't be good all the time and that's fine yeah yeah i agree but as he attempts to leave jiminy discovers that the boys on the island turn into donkeys meanwhile while continuing to criticize jiminy Lampwick begins to transform into a donkey. He begs for Pinocchio to help him, but the transformation completes. Pinocchio himself begins to transform as Jiminy arrives. He leads Pinocchio away and up to some cliff tops. The pair jump and swim to another nearby island. You know, I will say here, this was as terrifying as I remember, like watching mm-hmm. Lampwick turn into a donkey. Yeah, because there's no resolution for it either. It's not like he turns back at the end of the movie. But also, like, Pinocchio slightly starts turning, right? And he's a different colored donkey than a lot of the other boys, because Mm -hmm. I assume because he's made of wood. But also, would this even work on him? Like, whatever voodoo magic is going on that's turning them into donkeys, would this even work at him, given that he's still not a real boy here? He is wood. I was wondering that myself. Would he turn to a wooden donkey? I mean, his his tail and his ears look, I guess, fleshy would be the correct term. But I, I if if the transformation was complete, in my mind, he would be a wooden donkey. Yeah. Pinocchio and Jiminy arrive home, but see that Geppetto, Figaro, and Cleo have left. A bluebird flies by and delivers a note saying that Geppetto is alive, but in the belly of a whale named Monstro at the bottom of the sea. Pinocchio sets off to find his father. He ties a rock to his donkey tail and reaches the bottom of the ocean. And I wrote in my notes here, the female fish that was looking down Jiminy's pants while he puts a rock in them. Like it was a very overt sexual (laughs) uh, thing for a child's film. Again, Jiminy is not the most moral either. No, no. agreed. Uh, You know, what gets me about this is not only did Geppetto leave, and like it, it's only been like a few days at this point, like two days tops, probably. Mm. He took Figaro and Cleo with him. Well, who's obviously Figaro's going to eat Cleo the minute that Geppetto's gone? Like, 
Like we love Figaro, but I mean, he's a cat. She's a fish. He's got to keep them, you know, where they're at. What led them to like, did they know that Pinocchio was somehow on Pleasure Island? So they decided to go in the sea and that's how they got eaten by Monstro. Like, how did they know what happened enough to like know where to go? Or like, did they just happen to go by the beach and Monstro ate them? Like, well, I don't know what part of Italy Geppetto lives on. But it's one of two things. Either A, we assume he lives on one of the islands off of Italy, or and he searched the entire island and couldn't find Pinocchio, so he decided to leave by sea. Or B, he searched all of Italy and decided to start searching the rest of the European continent for Pinocchio. I don't, I'm not sure. No, maybe he found out about Pleasure Island and was going to try to get his son back. But and then uh Jiminy breathing underwater bugs right. me because yeah. I understand why Pinocchio is fine. Jiminy, yeah. well, put a he, little bowl or something on your head. Even it's animated with the air bubbles around him. Like when he has his head in the air bubble, he's like trying to reach the top of it to get more air, but then the bubble pops and then he's just fine. Like he's just like, I, I don't know if crickets can survive underwater. I imagine they can't, but who knows? Also, the blue fairy just straight up lied to Pinocchio because she sent this bird to help him find his father. So when she said she wouldn't help him again, that was a lie. So I wrote in my notes that all the fish are fascinated with Pinocchio and Jiminy, but they flee whenever they're asked about Monstro the whale. And inside the belly of Monstro, we find Geppetto and Figaro fishing. They have become sick and weak from starvation. I just thought it was cute that Figaro had the little fishing wire on his tail and was using that to fish. I think that whole setup was just hilarious. Like they are set up in this whale, like we're mm. going to fish in this whale stomach. Well, and, and they set it up earlier in the movie by saying that Monstro swallows boats whole. And then yeah. you have Geppetto and Figaro and Cleo on top of this boat inside of Monstro. So at the site of a school of tuna, Monstro begins chasing them. He swallows them, and Geppetto begins catching the fish. Pinocchio ends up being swallowed by the whale and reunited with his father. Geppetto is happy to be reunited with his son, but shocked by his half-donkey appearance. Geppetto explains that escaping is impossible, but Pinocchio comes up with a plan to build a fire and make Monstro sneeze. The plan works, and the family escapes the belly of the beast. However, Their troubles are far from over as an enraged monstro chases after the small raft the family is on. Eventually, the whale breaks the raft, but Pinocchio is able to save his father by swimming through a nearby cave. Geppetto, Jiminy, Figaro, and Cleo wash up on shore, but when Pinocchio is found, he is face down floating in the water. Back at their home, Geppetto, Jiminy, and the others mourn the loss of Pinocchio. However, the blue fairy turns Pinocchio into a real boy, resurrecting him. And this is the call back to earlier. Pinocchio asks Geppetto, he says, Father, why are you crying? And Geppetto says, because you're dead, Pinocchio. And I wrote, nice call back to their first interaction. The family celebrates and dances while music plays. Jiminy gazes upon the bright star in the sky and thanks the blue fairy for saving Pinocchio. He is awarded with a medal. And the film concludes with another round of Wish Upon a Star. So I do want to say that there is 
another deleted scene that's actually an alternate ending. Hmm. And it's more, instead of Pinocchio being the one that dies, it seems like Geppetto died. Oh. Oh, like he drowned in the water? Yes. Okay. All right. And uh, I guess it resolves the same way, like the blue fairy. Yeah, it resolves the same way, though I don't think it makes any sense. Like, I guess Geppetto isn't quite dead, and then they... Pinocchio's sad, blue fairy comes, Pinocchio ends up real. I like this. It resolves the same, so it it makes more sense the way they did it, but... Yeah, agreed. So I give the film an overall rating of 5 out of 10. It's a fine story, but there were moments when the animation was downright terrible. Some of the songs are forgettable, but they're thankfully short. Like, every song was pretty short in this film. You know, I would probably agree that, like, it's probably about a 5 out of 10. And it's not, like, I definitely like a lot of the animation more in this movie, but you're right that some of it's really bad. But Mm -hmm. I do, like, I enjoy a lot of the water animation and like water is one of those things that's tough to animate so like i think until you until you get to the monstro scenes at the end then all of a sudden the water animation is terrible when the water's been great the rest of the movie like it's like they forgot how to animate water at the end of the movie and and by the way my criticisms of the animation if i if i had to make this uh they would be stick figures and they would be poorly drawn stick figures so while while i'm criticizing it I'm criticizing it in how it holds up to the pantheon of other Disney films, which I think is fair. I also, I think it's hard because like, you know, we're talking about other Disney films, but also, you know, I think there's a distinct difference between movies we're watching now and then movies we'll watch in a couple months from now that are like way better quality. Like they are Mm -hmm. different quality of movies at the end of the day. Like, you know, if we're like the last thing they made, I didn't see Luca, but the last thing that they made that I watched was Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. This does not compare to that. Raya yeah. is so much better. The animation is beautiful. Like you can't compare that. Right. Is, is that CGI or is that, hand, that's not hand drawn? Uh, right? It's CGI. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a different style of animation. Yeah, you can't too. compare it. You can't right. compare what's being done there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think like even the music, like the music quality and the lyrics are so much different when we get into the later movies that I think it's hard. In my head, I'm rating this against this block of movies it's with, not so much other movies, because like there's no point in rating it against something like the Beauty and the Beast, because Beauty and the Beast is always gonna win. <laughs> like, right. Agreed. It's not fair. That it's not a competition. I also have the songs ranked here in the films. Um, I have them as one and two, but really they're intercha- interchangeable. I have When You Wish Upon a Star as number one, When You Wish Upon a Star, the reprisal of it as number two, but they're interchangeable. It's pretty much the same song. Yeah. Uh, same goes for three and four. I have High Diddly D, the original, like the actor's life for me as number three, and then High Diddly D, the reprisal as number four. Number five, I have I've Got No Strings. Number six, I have Give a Little Whistle. And then number seven, I have Little Wooden Head. I have the same list, though. I don't I don't have the reprisals in them because I don't... None of these reprisals, like, they all happen pretty much within the same, like, scenes, scene. like, very close to the original song. You know, you get in other movies where the reprisals are, like, quite... Like, I'm thinking of Tangled when uh, Mother Knows Best, the reprisal there is literally, like, at the back end of the movie, so you don't they're not really the same song at all. 
there's a difference like for me these are the same songs they're not they're not really different they don't add anything they don't have their own kind of place agreed anything else you'd like to say about the film i mean i guess we could talk about where we rank it in regards to snow white okay i still hold snow white higher than this maybe i'm a sucker for it i'm i'm not sure while i think that the characters in this are better fleshed out and are more realistic characters I I still think the animation's better in Snow White. I I think um, in my own my own personal taste, and I think the music is slightly edges out uh, this movie's music slightly. Um, so I would rank Snow White above this. See, I'm kind of the exact opposite. Not because I think the animation is worse in mm-hmm. Snow White, just because when I look at these films, like. I'm not the biggest fan of Snow White, but for this, I like the songs a little bit more, and I do like the characters a little bit more. Like, give me more Figaro and Cleo. Give me more of Jiminy. Like, give me more of that. Right. Whereas I could kind of give or take a lot of the Snow White stuff. Yeah. Not that it's bad, but if you, like, if I was going to watch one over the other, I probably might actually just watch this instead of watching Snow White. Even though I think I rank Snow White higher as a movie on its own, that's me being objective. At the end of the day, I'd probably watch this instead. Right, yeah. Well, there's there's objective opinion and then there's personal opinion. Uh, I guess objective opinion is an oxymoron, but you, yeah. can, you can objectively see which movie you think is better, but you know, then personally have a, a different choice. And again, all these songs are kind of intermixed for me with the Snow White songs. I do mm. have When You Wish Upon a Star higher than all the other Snow White stuff, even because I like it better. But yeah, fair enough. This has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to either our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at onceagainpod. We also have an Instagram account, onceagainpod, all one word. We will be posting questions and possibly doing some live Q&As on there. If you would like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and have a wonderful day.